Hey, I'm Dr. Stan and welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. And we're going to be talking today about forgiveness and healing. I mean, it's a topic that we really need to focus our attention on today. And so, hey, remember, if you want to learn more about Vision International, you want to learn more about the teaching ministry and all, you can go to booksbyvision.org, you can go to drstandecoven.org or vision.edu. Outro. <clears throat> hey, listen, I know that many of you have had difficult times with friends. People that you thought you could trust, and then you find out, man, they, they've been the ones that have been stabbing you in the back. I mean, as it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Well, you know, maybe they're faithful, especially if what they're saying to you is truth. And we need the truth. We need people that love us enough to tell us the truth. But if you've had a friend that's hurt you, you've gone, uh, you've had a relationship that's been filled with, with some pain and some loss, and you're still holding on to that, God wants you to experience his healing by releasing forgiveness. You have the power of that in your tongue. You can release someone from bondage by simply making the statement, Lord, I forgive whoever it is. And you want to name what they did and how much it hurt. But when you do that, you're releasing it. Lord, I turn them over to you, and I trust you, Lord, that you're going to restore and heal my heart. You know, we've been talking a bit about family and family life, and of course, Mike's been doing the fun stuff. I do the hard stuff. But anyway, we've got messages that we've been presenting to you because we really believe in the family, especially the family of God. You know, God's intention from the beginning was to have family. That's why he put the man and the woman in the garden together to be able to start the process of having many, many sons, many, many daughters in his family. You know, I was thinking about, you know, what can I present on healing and forgiveness and all of that? And, I, and I, what came to mind was the story of Job. Now, you know, Job, of course, most of you probably are familiar with the story. He was a, a patriarch. He was around during the time of Abraham and, and all. And, and, uh, and so he was, he's an old guy. And, uh, but he was a very well-known and a very wealthy guy with a very, very prosperous family. And, you know, there was a conversation that went on in heaven. The devil said, of course, he's going to worship you and all of that. If, but if I touch his body, if I touch his family, etc. You know, we know that, that the story itself uh, I mean, we are convinced there was a real guy named Job, but the story is designed to illustrate the kinds of things that can create great suffering, but also to show how God in his wonderful mercy and kindness can bring about restoration and healing. And so we know, I mean, his body was hit. He had boils. I mean, he was a mess. His, his family got wiped out, except his wife, who was really a, a whiner. Anyway, and, and the Bible talks about how he had some friends. And I want to focus a little bit on the friends of Job. And I'm in chapter 42 of the book of Job. And I want to start with verse 7, where it says, And it came about, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the, the, the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, because you have not spoken of me, what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves and my servant Job will pray for you. 
for I will accept him so that I may not do with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And so Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite, I think that is, went and did as the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job. But verse 10, I just love this verse. It says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. <clears throat> you know, in this time and season that we've just gone through, we, we, have, we know people, and in some cases in our own families, we suffered some loss. Uh, people and friends and finances and jobs, and we recognize that, you know, behind the scene, the enemy is trying still to rob, steal, and destroy. And even though we, we stand firmly on what Scripture says, that he is under our feet, we still know that he's doing all he can to try and disrupt this world and keep people from turning their lives to Jesus Christ. Well, in the Scripture reference, I mean, what we see is a key to unlocking the power of restoration, because I am convinced that no matter what loss we may have experienced, what brokenness we may have had in our life, God's plan, God's intention for us is to bring full and complete restoration. And he, he wants to do that because he is a God of love. He's a God of mercy, a God of kindness, and he is a God of healing. But I want to look at kind of three components, if you will, of Job's prayer and its relationship to the restoration that God brings. First thing I want to point out is Job's friends. I mean, in Job 6 and 8, 11, 15, 18, 20, 25, 32, 37, hike. Anyway, we hear from Job's friends. Now, again, they're friends. <laughs> I'm not sure with friends like these if Job wanted any enemies because they weren't the nicest friends. I mean, I think probably their motivation was to help. They believed at that time, as many do still today, that sin, his personal sin, was probably the cause of Job's pain and suffering, his loss, etc. Now, we know by reading the story that no, that isn't true. We know by listening to what Jesus has said that, that sin and sickness can happen, but ultimately, God's intention is, is to bring His glory to bear, to bring His presence to it, to apply His grace to a situation, to bring, again, healing and restoration. Job's response to his, in many ways, sorry friends was to cry looking for comfort. You know, and the, the truth is, they're in this season that we've been in, and perhaps even in your own family, in your own life circumstances, you've been crying out for help, for comfort. Or maybe, as we talked about in our last session, maybe you're looking to some sort of a substance in order to give you comfort in your life. I mean, one of the things we know that when we're under severe stress as human beings, we tend to regress to old ways of doing things. Maybe even things that we have not done for years. And yet now under the stress, we want to go back. I mean, I've seen believers go back to smoking, go back to drinking, go back to all kinds of, of crazy kinds of behaviors because they're looking for comfort, something that will kind of fill 
my heart, to fill my heart with something that's going to make me feel better and maybe to get through the situation or circumstance I'm in. Now, we know that God is our comfort. We know that he's an ever-present help in time of trouble, and yet oftentimes we forget that he is really as close as a whisper, that since we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, since we're far above principalities and powers, they can't even listen into the conversation. They're not invited. We're in a place of safety. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. The very Comforter has come and lives within us. And yet so often as believers, we just forget or we fail to reach out, or perhaps because we don't think we deserve it or it's our fault that we're in the situation that we're in. doesn't matter. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And if you're in trouble, you can reach out to Him. You know, what we find in the passages of Scripture, if you're going to read the book of Job in a whole, which I recommend, it's really quite good reading, we see Job's natural response to things. I mean, he defended himself in Job 12. He had a lot of self-condemnation and self-pity. He was hurt. You can read about that in Job 19. In many ways, he had a desire for revenge, though he didn't know who he was going to take the revenge out on. We see that in Job 21. He blamed God in a certain way for the situation he was in, as did Elihu. And, and ultimately, Job 15 says he was filled with some bitterness and resentment. <clears throat> in many ways, Job is representative of, of so many believers today. I mean, God's response is to remind us that we are his children and that we can do some things different than what Job did prior to the epiphany or the revelation he had that God is, is good, and that God is a restorer. I mean, bitterness, resentment, anger, hurt, all expressions of a natural human life. But we can respond differently. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Bless those who curse you. Wow, how do you do that? When somebody gets in your face, says something negative about you, I mean, our natural human response is to retaliate. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will kill me. And if they're going to kill me, I'm going to kill you back. Glory to God. But, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. I'll deal with that. Don't take revenge, but instead even bless those. Speak well of them, especially in public. Luke chapter 6, verse 28 says, pray for those who use you. I mean, I hear a lot of <clears throat> excuse me, Christians that complain about being used. That person used me and that person used me. And I'd say, well, didn't you pray at one time, Lord, use me? <laughs> well, how do you think you're going to get used? You get used by people because that's what God's interested in is people. And it's what we need to be interested in as well. And so we pray for those. Now we pray, I think, with a good healthy prayer that God would be with them. God would love them. God would strengthen them, help them in their life journey. In other words, the focus is not on our hurt. The focus is not on ourselves. Excuse me. The focus is not on the trumpet of the Lord. No, that was just my nose. But the focus is on others and on the Lord himself. Proverbs 12, 14 says, Bless and curse not. Isaiah 65, 16 says, Because he who is blessed in the earth shall be blessed by the God of truth. The former troubles are forgotten. 
and because they are hidden from my sight. You know, you never really forget, and forgiveness is not the same as trust. If someone has violated your trust, how do you know if you can trust them again? Well, the only way to know is to trust them. And one of the fears that many people have is, well, I trusted them in the past and they failed me. How can I trust them again? It would be, you know, once, you know, you know shame on, on me, twice shame on you or whatever it is. Maybe it's the opposite of that. I don't know. I've got a cold. Did I tell you that? Anyway, but I, I'm convinced with all of my heart that many people in the body of Christ, I mean, they, they just think that I, I, I can't forgive someone because if I do, it means I have to trust them. No, trust has to be earned, but forgiveness is required. But how do I forgive someone who has hurt me? Well, it starts by placing the responsibility for the hurt where it belongs. If someone else hurt you, they're responsible for the hurt. You're responsible for your reaction or your response. And of course, we don't forgive anyone that deserves to be forgiven. Nobody deserves it, including us. But we forgive those that don't deserve. But we do that not just for them, but also for us. We forgive. We, we actually state, I will not hold that person responsible for what they've done. I'm going to leave them in the hands of God. Now, does that mean you're going to forget what happened? Of course not. We have these brains that remember things. But you can think of it differently. You can see it from God's viewpoint. You can actually redeem the situation in time. And so Job, I mean, though naturally he resented spiritually, uh, he eventually came to a place where he recognized there was a path to forgiveness and a path to his healing. You know, I've thought about the, you know, the tale of three kings. You've got Saul, David, and Absalom. And you know, lots of problems. There are lots of interesting illustrations. <clears throat> but, you know, I mean, Saul, actually, when you look at his life, he didn't do very much that would cause displeasure to God. You would think, not compared to David, David did a whole lot worse. But nonetheless, David was a man after God's own heart. And I think more than anything else, David had a heart of compassion. He had a heart of mercy. He had a heart of forgiveness. And I think that's what God wants for us as well. Absalom tried to usurp authority and take control. David was even willing to let him have it. Not necessarily a wise decision on his part. But in all cases, God wants us to recognize that relationship is the most important thing. In 1 Samuel 6, uh, 26, 23, it says, For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. You know, David had an opportunity to take Saul out. Saul was trying to kill him, but he didn't. He didn't. In fact, he, he, he made sure that, in fact, he even apologized for having just cut off the, the hem of his, of his long robe. And so David recognized that, wait a minute, I am not, everybody's anointed by God. Everybody needs God's grace. Everybody deserves to have an opportunity to experience God's healing and restoration and love. And so, you know, as anointed ones, we recognize, as it says in Zechariah 4, 6 through 10, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How can we forgive? How can we release someone? How can we experience the forgiveness of God? Well, we can only do it by faith not in ourselves, 
but faith in God and his word. He said we can forgive. He said we can be restored. He said we can be healed. And we must put our trust in that. And so, I, I, again, I just love what it says here in this passage. It says, so, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. I've had some great friends in my life, people that were there for me, especially during times when I wasn't really behaving the way I should. I know it's hard to imagine that I haven't always been practically perfect in every way, like Mary Poppins and Apostle Barry, but the fact is, made a few mistakes in my life, things that and I hope nobody ever finds out about. I know they're under the blood, thank God. But in the middle of that, I've had some friends that walked with me through the process of healing and restoration. And I've had some other friends, quote unquote, that were sorry friends indeed. All they wanted was to somehow add a little bit of salt to my wound. And in my natural self, I'd say, why would I pray for them? Why would I bless them after the way that they have treated me? And you can kind of add whoever you want to. It could be a spouse. It could be a, a child that's, that's run away from home and they, they, they speak ill of you. It could be a former colleague or worker. It, it could be a parent that may have abused you as a child. I mean, how could God allow this? How could I ever forgive them? Well, the, the answer is you can't really unless you're willing to pray. And I found that that's really key. Job was restored when he received his friends. They came with an offering. I assume he kept the cow and stuff and probably you know, had a nice barbecue. But he received their sacrifice and then he prayed for them. When he prayed for them, he no doubt laid hands on them. In doing so, he, he blessed them. He released them from all of the, in many ways, stupid words that they'd said. But he released them to get on with their life. And in the process, the sowing of the seed of forgiveness was the beginning of reaping the harvest of restoration of all things in his life. Now, I don't know where you're at in your journey with the Lord. I don't know how your families are doing, but let me just say this. God is a God of healing and restoration. And what he's asking for us to do, and this may be something that Pastor Mike leads you into there, right there in the congregation, but I think in many cases it's simply time to pray. To pray, but really to receive, hopefully, some repentance on behalf of someone else, it's, but to receive their gift, whatever it may be, and to forgive them and to release them. To go to them even if you have to and lay your hands on them and pray for them. But if you can't do it live, at least do it there in the congregation and pray for your friends. See, one of the things I didn't realize is that even the worst people that I experienced in my life, they were my friends. Enemies didn't bother me. <clears throat> people I didn't know didn't bother me. They were and are my friends. 
And as such, I know my obligation to them is to forgive them, to release them. Not just for their benefit, but for mine. Because I know I need healing. I need restoration. And you need healing. And you need restoration. So let me encourage you. Pray. Seek the Lord. And trust that He's going to restore every area of brokenness in your life, in your family, for the glory of God. Blessings. Look forward to seeing you next week.